The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Cairn University family. And it is my privilege and my pleasure to stand before you this morning to share. I want to thank those who led in our worship music. Thank you so very much. I want to thank my daughter for reading, and I want to thank my husband, Pastor Paul, who is sitting right there in our midst. I also want to thank my cheering team. And this morning, I want to share with you briefly on an interesting topic. It's curve balls. And I know you're saying, what is she going to be talking about? You're just recovering from the garden party and the after party. And here I am talking about curveball. So I'm going to be talking about curveball in sports. Then I'm going to talk about curveball in life. And then I'm going to apply the concept of curveball to our Christian walk as we look at the life of the young maid that we just read about. For those of you who play softball, any softball players? None? <laughs> One single softball player. Yay! <laughs> what about baseball? Baseball players, where are you? <laughs> one baseball player? No, and there's going to be nobody for this one. Cricket players? Please raise your hand, my husband. Okay, good. All right. Now, softball players and uh, cricket players and baseball players, they know what the term curveball would mean in sport. So when we talk about curveball, it's a pitcher's goal to strike out the batter and to finish the batter at the plate. And one of the skillful ways to do this is to throw a curveball. Why? Because it, when you throw a curveball, you're actually tricking the batter into thinking that the ball is coming one way when it's not. It throws the batter into a state of what we call disequilibrium and makes it easy to finish the batter at the plate. So that's curveball in sports. Curveball in life. In life, we also have curveballs. And if I was to say to you, raise your hand if you have ever experienced a curveball in your life. I'm sure many persons would. So I'm going to say it. Have you ever experienced a curveball in your life? Raise your hand. Wow. Most of you have, re have received or experienced a curveball in your life. So when we talk about life curveballs, we're really talking about a rude awakening. Something that happens that derails you from your tried and true plan. And it can alter your life course depending on how you respond to it. Now, some of you might have experienced curveball where you dated someone for many years. Girls, you went out and looked at your wedding dress, and the next thing you know, the wedding is off. Some of you might have experienced curveball young men. 
the lovely young lady who was always going to be your bride actually said no. Some of you might have experienced curveball even in your college application. You might have wanted to go to another college. And with your curveball, you ended up at Kieran University. Now, if that is your curveball, you have actually struck gold. <laughs> That's not a curveball. Not a curveball. Kieran University was where God intended you to be because this is where it's at, Kieran University. So you didn't really receive a curveball, but in a, on a really serious note, curveballs occur and we experience them. Now the question is not if life will throw you a curveball, the question is when. And while you cannot plan for a curveball, we as Christians need to know how to respond to a curveball. Charles Swindle says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. And I'm going to give you two examples of curveballs in life. And I'm also going to be drawing from sports. Two of my daughters played soccer in college. And my one daughter, Gabrielle, played soccer at a D1 school with a very dear friend, Kaylee. They were very excited about being on the soccer team. Any soccer girls inside here? Where are the soccer girls? Yay for the soccer girls. Girls, you can't disappoint me. You have to shout out. So my daughter played soccer with her friend Kaylee. But listen to this. Kaylee had a great scholarship like my daughter. They loved soccer. Kaylee had speed. She had technical skills. And most of all, she had a great left foot. And you know how important it is to have a great left foot in soccer. She was ready to go. She was pumping. Because the more she played, the more her scholarship would increase. So game one, my family and my, there, and, and my daughters are there cheering on Gabby, and Kaylee's family is there cheering on Kaylee. The game is going well. And then the unthinkable happens. She tore her ACL. First game, first game, a curveball. Kaylee's season was over. I don't know how many of you have ever experienced that. I see one young man looking shocked. Her season was over even before it started. Closer to home, how many of you are Eagles fans? Woo, great, great, great. Closer to home. A few Sundays ago, my husband was watching the Philadelphia Eagles play the San Francisco 49ers. When the unthinkable happened, the great Brandon Graham, who plays defensive end, suffered an Achilles injury. His season was over. So curveball happened in lives. Two examples from scripture of curveball. Joseph experienced a curveball when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. 
Jacob experienced a curveball. When the night following his wedding, he might have been laying in bed, a smile on his face, dreaming of the fact that he just married this beautiful woman who he had worked seven years for. He might have leaned over, give her a little bit of a shake on the shoulder, and said, Rachel. She turned around, and who did he see? Leah. <laughs> now, if that's not a curveball, I don't know what is. The man experienced a, a curveball, a real curveball. So, in scripture, we know about curveball. But the curveball that I want to look at today is a curveball that was experienced by a young girl, a young girl in northern Israel, a young girl who woke up one morning and she expected to do her usual, to go to the well to draw water. She had, might have had plans for her family, plans with her friends, many other plans. What was not in her plan was that the great Syrian general Naaman had a plan to raid northern kingdom of Israel and to wreak havoc. When these raids occur, they would take livestock, clothing, money, and they would take slaves. What was even more astonishing is that in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, we are told that God, our God, Yahweh, was allowing this great general Naaman to have victories in this raid. So this little girl got up, this young girl got up this day, and she experienced one of life's curveballs. The Bible does not provide details, but her curveball was that she was captured, she was kidnapped, she was ripped from her home and her culture, her custom, her loved ones, her friends. She experienced a massive curveball. When you experience a curveball, it creates this, this equilibrium. And as Christians, when we experience curveballs, they create disequilibrium. What was even more troubling was that when she was captured, she was taken to live in Naaman's house. So Naaman was benefiting from her pain. We do not know if she had family who was around. We do not know information about her parents. All that we are told is that she lived in Naaman's house and that she worked with his, his wife, the mistress. Now, we also know that Naaman did not have great thoughts about Israel. How do we know it? In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 12, Naaman talks about the rivers in Syria as being so superior to those in Israel. We also know that Naaman treated Elisha almost as if he was beneath him, like a magician. You need to come out, wave your arms, and cure me. So Naaman might have had some prejudice. 
But most of all, this young maid lived in a house with a leper. A leper. Now, some scholars believe that Naaman really had a skin disease, not leprosy, as depicted in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. But others view it as that kind of leprosy. And we are going to view it as that kind of leprosy. It was a problem for the great general. Now, what is fascinating is that despite her curveball, this young maid was able to step outside of her pain and have compassion for a man whose action brought her such great pain. Now, if you think about it, if someone inflicts pain on you, if someone causes you to experience pain, it's very difficult for you to respond to that person in a very positive way. And this is irrespective of whether you're a believer or not. It's very, very painful. It's hard. But I want to say to you today, students, you will experience life's curveballs. And because you are a child of the Most High God, when you experience your curveball, you will have to dig really deep and trust in the God who said, I never fail. I can never fail. I will never fail. You will have to trust in God when you are not certain of all the disequilibrium that's taking place around you. You will have to trust in God. Because the same God who brought you to Cairn University, the same God who has been watching over you these many years, is the God who will be with you in your curveball. If you are sitting in this room today and you expected some scholarship money and it has not come, trust God. Trust God. If you expected a certain grade on a paper and it didn't come, trust God. If there is chaos in your family, trust God. The same God who before you were formed in your mother's womb called you into being, that same God will see you through your curveball. Because he loves you. He cares about you. You are special to God. No, it's very normal when you experience curveballs to become angry. Anger towards Naaman, she could have felt. Anger towards his wife, towards his people. Those are normal responses. She could have experienced anger and doubt towards God for failing her. She could have been feeling that God betrayed her. She could have been feeling traumatized, frustrated, alone, confused. She could have lashed out to many others. If there's a source for the curveball, she might also lashed out for that person. All normal responses. However, this young maid was able to do the abnormal. She didn't display bitterness or resentment. She did not seem to wish the worst upon Naaman. She did not see leprosy as justice for kidnapping her or causing chaos in her life. Now, this would not have been me. I would have been saying, 
God, thank you for looking out for me and for giving me justice by causing this man to be a leper. I would have been saying that, but not her. She showed sincere and deep concern for Naaman. She didn't do it out of duty. She said in 2 Kings 5 and verse 3, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. She seemed to know something that we often forget when we experience curveball. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways than your thoughts and your ways. Students, when you experience your curveball, God is still in control. God is still in control. This young maid reached out to Naaman to have his physical needs taken care of. He was a leper. And the result was that Naaman's spiritual needs were met because Naaman was able to come in contact with the true and living God, Yahweh, because of how she responded. Recently, I experienced a curveball, and some of you might know about that curveball. Recently, the School of Social Work closed. Now, that was my true curveball. It was a curveball for social work students, for faculty, for alums, and for many others. And the responses were many. And they fall into the categories that I talked about earlier. There was anger, there was doubt, there was feelings of trauma, feelings of being confused, bitterness. It would be an understatement to say that it has not been a wild ride a really, really wild ride. Now, my response to the closure after my initial shock and much grief was to, to do what I'm typically kind of wired to do. I jumped into student care mode. I jumped into preserving the 55 years legacy of the social work school mode. And this was, this was good. This was, it wasn't wrong to jump into that mode because there are some of us who jumped into that mode. But sometimes when we jump into a coping mode, we sometimes limit the ability to be able to sit with others who are not at that place when they are experiencing the curveball. And that's what is so very important. That when you experience a curveball as I did, it's very easy to Think about yourself and think about your response and not being willing to understand how are other people experiencing their curveball. There were persons who were saying mean things to social work students on social media, and that must stop. That really must stop. And then there are others who were screaming at the administration on social media, saying some pretty vile things, and that too must stop. There were words and deeds that were very damaging to the social work school. There were people who were very hurt and confused. And what God reminded me of is the fact that I needed to be able 
with this curveball to be able to sit with all people, to be able to understand those who are still angry, to be able to understand those who are feeling traumatized, to, to be able to respond to those who are feeling alone and be able to work it through with them. Students, when you experience your curveball, you need to draw on the Almighty God to help you to seek to develop what we call a caring community so that you can know how to respond. Many faculty, staff, students have reached out to me and many others as we experience this curveball. I remember Mark Gasper saying, how can I respond in a way that was helpful? I remember Dr. Plummer, Dr. Anish, Dr. Cheney, and many others reaching out to say, what can we do to respond? But I want to say to you, my greatest blessing have been a wonderful group of women in my office complex who have been walking with me and teaching me how to respond to my curveball. They have been able to hold me accountable in love. They have been willing to lament with me when the days are hard, to redirect me when I become too negative, to redirect me when I become too critical of the people on social media. They have been able to pray with me. They have been able to help me to see positive things. They have been able to help me to see that curveballs, when they come, can be responded to, not just at the individual level, but as a community. These women have been able to hold me up through my curveball. And I want to say to you that God has created us into community. And even as you experience a curveball in your life at Cairn University, seek to pull others to you who will be able to hold you accountable. I have had Dr. Williams come to my office. How are you doing? How are you doing? How can I care for you? That's what it means to live in community. We won't always agree. We won't always agree. But when we rely on God's curveball approach, we curveball can become stepping stone and character builders. Curveball can serve a purpose even when we still have questions and we are still uncertain. So ladies, I am giving a shout out to you for being my community to help me as I went through my curveball. Mergy Castro, Lori Hanslick, Rachel Park, Megan Krause, Diana Smell, Nancy Landis, Andrea Stangi, Diane Alexander, Judy Severs. They have stood with me through my curveball. They have taught me much. The little maid's response showed that curveballs can become stepping stone to a more powerful purpose. And the enemy of our soul, who is always working to prevent that purpose, can be brought low. The little maid's response to the curveball allowed Naaman, the great Syrian general, 
and confident to the king of Syria to reject his gods in Syria and to come to know the true and living God. Naaman was able to say, there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Can you imagine the ripple effect in Syria of the great Naaman becoming a follower of Yahweh? Can you imagine? The enemy is always working. But when we allow God to use our curveball for his glory, even a hidden nation will come face to face with the true and living God. I am calling upon you today to look at your curveball through the eyes of a Christian. Recently, I was reading a, a, a testimony back from Pat Stillman. Pat Stillman is the alum you know who has donated money to build the athletic complex. And he wrote something in a daily encouragement, and I read it. And he made a rather interesting analogy. He talked about his early diagnosis with cancer. And do you know what he titled his article? Cancer, an opportunity for joy. Cancer, an opportunity for joy. And he went on to talk about cancer, as I see as a curveball in his life, as something that God was able to use to help himself and his dear wife, Beulah, experience God's love and God's care. I was blown away, and I would encourage you to read it. Let us remember that we have a common enemy, the devil. He thrives when we are not united. So when we stand united, the devil quakes. When your world seems to be spinning out of control, when you have more questions than answers, we must seek to display the character of the God we serve. My appeal to all of us is to learn to walk through curveball like the school closure and other life curveball as servants of God who are willing and open to allow God to be glorified even when we are angry, even when we are in pain, and even when we are still questioning. We can reach across our differences and be willing to listen to love, to hear, to, to, to care, because we know we have a common enemy and we are seeking to serve God. We know that the God we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Colossians 1 verse 17, it says, He existed before anything else began, and He holds all creation together. Students of Kirin University, life will throw you curveball. Life will throw you curveball. Your response is what is going to be key. And we as Christians want to remember, once we are divided, once we are fragmented, it's very easy to pick us off. But once we are united and bonded, and banded and bonded together, we are strong. We are strong. 
we are strong and we can overcome any obstacle, any obstacle that the enemy will bring our way. Because our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. He reigns yesterday, he reigns today, and he reigns forever. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. God bless you. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being your children. And we thank you for the privilege, the privilege of being called children of God. And we pray today that as we start this week, that we will draw close to you, that we will draw close to each other, and that we will remember that you have called us to live in love, in care, and in unity. We pray for those who are hurting. We pray for those who are sad. We pray for those who are broken. And we ask you, Lord, to allow us, according to your will, to seek to reach out and to love. I pray, Lord, that your word will find fertile soil and that your name will continue to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.